You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Good morning again, and thank you so much for joining us as we continue making our way through our sermon series, The Full Armor. Today, we're going to be discussing the meaning and importance of what it means to hold up the shield of faith against our spiritual enemy. And faith, of course, is an integral part of of being a Christian. So it comes as no surprise then that, that this section of the passage starts with the phrase, above all, or as some translations might say, in all circumstances. Let's just read that verse again, Ephesians 6, 16. It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So this passage, first of all, seems to be implying that that faith is a necessary extra layer of of sustaining protection over the rest of our spiritual armor. And, And that is, of course, the purpose of a shield for warriors in the midst of a battle. And and I should mention as well that the word used for shield in this verse actually seems to be referring to the type of shield in which a Roman soldier would use. This was a a large shield measuring about 1.2 by 0.75 meters. In other words, it was was big enough to, to cover most of the soldier's body, especially when he hunched down behind it. This shield was also often covered in linen and hide and then bound by iron so that According to many historians, it could stop the arrows of their enemy, especially the arrows which had been dipped in fuel and lit on fire, which was a common tactic in warfare at the time and is also one that's frequently used uh, by Hollywood movies about medieval times because flaming arrows flying through the air looks pretty cool on film. But of course, it wouldn't be so cool in real life if they're coming right at you. So because of this, sometimes the shields would even be dampened to ensure that the flaming arrows would be put out as soon as they hit the shields. And it's this image which the Apostle Paul seems to have in mind when it comes to the spiritual battle or struggle which we as Christians are constantly engaged in against the forces of evil. And really then, this, this shield of faith is meant to be the first layer of protection against the pieces of armor which we're already wearing. It's, it's meant to stop the attacks of the evil one so that he can't even get through to damage the belt of truth with his darts of lies and doubts, so that he can't target the breastplate of righteousness with his accusations of shame or, or make us stumble as we wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. This also makes a lot of sense that he'd bring up faith at this point because those aspects of the Christian life, truth, righteousness, and and the gospel of peace, are also intricately connected to our faith. As the Bible says, faith comes through hearing the word of truth, and from there it takes faith to believe and walk in that truth. The Bible again says that the righteous live by faith, That it's also by faith through grace that we're saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, it's by faith that believers also go forth and boldly proclaim that gospel of peace to the world. And so we can see that faith is integral to those other pieces of armor which which we've already discussed and are already wearing. and And that faith sustains and empowers us to stand firm and persevere in them like a shield about us. 
But before we go any further, we, we should probably ask, what exactly is faith? There's been many volumes written on the subject of faith, but, but hopefully this morning we can glean a basic understanding of what it means within the context of the armor of God. First of all, then, Hebrews chapter 11, which is probably the most famous passage when it comes to understanding faith, it tells us in verses 1 to 3, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then in verse 6, later on, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So if we sum it all up quickly here, faith is belief in God. It's trusting in God. It's having assurance, full assurance, through both reasonable evidence and revelation, in God's word and promises. And of, and of course, it's also about living in the light and hope of those promises. As it says, faith isn't just believing things about God. It's about believing that he is God and that he has our backs. It's about drawing near to him, trusting him and knowing him personally. It's about placing our dependence on him and believing that he has, does, and always will come through for us. And in that mindset, this should then give us the boldness and confidence to stand firm and live for and in obedience to him. And this kind of confidence and faith we're talking about here that we get to stand in, this, this has been freely given to us through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans 5 1 to 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can now approach the throne of God, the throne of the God of the universe, through faith. And Pastor Blair reminded us, of this last week when, when he spoke on the shoes of peace, that we have peace with God because Jesus paid for our sins. But it's also the same faith then that produces in us endurance and character and hope and allows us to stand firm and endure in the midst of suffering and spiritual attacks. Ultimately then, we need to understand that, that faith in and of itself doesn't hold very much weight. Nor does the size of our faith, for that matter. Jesus said, thankfully, that, that we could have faith the size of a mustard seed. And, and how, how could he say this? Well, it's because it's where we place our faith that matters and makes all the difference. We could have all the faith in the world, but if we place it upon something or, or someone who isn't perfect or someone who isn't 100% faithful, we're going to be eventually let down. And so Ian M. Duguid 
on the subject writes, True biblical faith derives its power not from any power inherent in faith itself, but rather from the object of that faith. Faith is merely the instrument that connects us to the utterly trustworthy and all-powerful God who created the heavens and the earth and who made us for relationship with him. Faith enables us to take hold of, namely the power and protection of God himself. So faith in God through Christ, no, no matter how big or small it is, enables us to take hold of the power and protection of God himself, of the God who is faithful and won't ever let us down. So so no matter what we're going through or what we're up against, we know by faith that God is with us. And so again, this is what it means to take hold of the shield of faith. It's to take hold of the power and protection of God. He is the shield who covers us as we place our trust in him. It says in Psalm 28, verse 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. And Psalm 3, verse 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. And in Proverbs 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So again, to take hold of the shield of faith is to find and take refuge in the God of creation. And this is especially important during times of trial or times of despair or times of spiritual attack. But let's be honest, it's 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 also often the hardest to, it's also often hardest to trust God in those times as well. These are the moments when our faith is tested the most. C.H. Spurgeon once wrote, To trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust him in the dark, that is faith. And so we're being reminded in this passage that that when the enemy attacks, when, when darkness comes over the horizon, when nothing seems to make sense, when life is hard, when it feels like God's abandoned us and we don't know what to do, which is exactly what Satan wants us to think, that God's abandoned us. Even through all of those things, our faith reminds us that God is there and that he'll lead us through the darkness and into the light. Our faith reminds us that we can find refuge and strength in him, even in the midst of trial. And that quite often, God actually allows us to go through these hardships, to face the fiery arrows of the enemy, precisely so that we do draw deeper into his loving and caring arms. So that we realize we need to place our dependence upon him alone in all circumstances. Because this is the truth. We can't face Satan or the effects of evil in this world in our own strength. The necessity of the shield itself is a reminder that the fiery arrows are always coming against us. And therefore, without the shield of faith, the arrows will certainly find their mark and have us cowering in fear or shame or in anxiety. But this is also telling for us, you know, as we examine our own hearts. When when life gets hard, how do we usually respond? The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 6-7, to 
that the typical response of a spirit-filled Christian should sound like this. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Does that sound like you? Always of good courage, confident in times of trial, trusting in God's promises even when you can't fully see or comprehend them in the moment. If that doesn't sound like you, then it might be prudent to ask, what are you putting your faith or your trust in? Is it yourself? Your own strength? Is it wealth? Is it other people? The government? There's a story in the Bible in 2 Kings about a Judean king named Hezekiah who was eager to trust and obey God and, and to see the people of Judah remain obedient to the law of God as well. And because of this, God was faithful to him and also kept their nation safe and independent from the tyranny of the Assyrian Empire, which ruled over most of that region at the time. But near the end of Hezekiah's reign, an emissary from the city of Babylon came into his courts bearing many gifts for him because this emissary sought to make an alliance with the nation of Judah and other nations like Egypt and, and neighboring nations so that they could stand together against the armies of Assyria and eventually even overthrow them. And this seemed like a good idea to King Hezekiah, even though he'd been warned by his, his counselor and by the prophet Isaiah himself to not trust in anyone except God. But because it sounded like, like a practical and a reasonable plan that would keep Judah safe, he agreed to an alliance with the Babylonians. And, and I think that in the same way, we, we often do this. In order to protect ourselves or our interests or our future, we tend to place more of our faith in what we think makes sense, makes sense to us in the moment, in the things of this world, rather than placing it in God and in what he's called us to do or be. We often walk by sight, not by faith. And this is what King Hezekiah did as well. Again, it, it practically, it, it made sense to be part of an alliance with other countries. What harm could it do? Right on paper, it looked more than reasonable and politically beneficial. So he decided to place his faith and protection in man rather than on God. But the result? Sennacherib, who was the king of Assyria, he eventually caught wind of this alliance between all these nations and in retaliation sent his armies to tear through each nation until the large number of the Assyrian forces found themselves at the walls of Jerusalem. And to make matters worse, the leader of the armies stood outside the walls and he taunted the people of Judah, telling them that their God would be unable to save them in the same way that the gods of all the other countries couldn't save them either. So King Hezekiah's decision to trust in man led his whole nation to come under the weight of the enemy. To this end, Jeremiah 17 verse 5 says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength, and his heart turns from the Lord. And this is the tactic of Satan as well. 
He wants to shake our faith in God. He wants us to place our faith elsewhere, on man or ourselves, or better yet, upon him. Again, this is what he did to Adam and Eve, right? He got them to trust in themselves and to turn from God. This, This is what he does. And we often get burned by these arrows of temptation too. Like, like, like Hezekiah, when we're faced with threats against our enemies or when we face trials in this life, we have a tendency, as I've said, to look to other things or idols to keep us safe or secure. Whether it's faith in ourselves or in, in teamwork or in nationalism or, or in our wealth or our intellect or in a particular government party or politicians or, or in celebrities or, or entertainment to, to distract us from our problems or in, or in science or in, or in destiny. Or, or even in our spouses, or, or our pastors, or whatever, right? The, the list goes on. But, but none of those things are, are perfect. None of those things are 100% reliable or faithful. They're not all bad things. They're just not enough. They can't do what only God can do. They're flimsy shields. None of those things can sustain us in this spiritual battle, battle, or even in this life. Some can be helpful, and God can use some of those things. But on their own, they can't. And I included myself in, in that list as, as your pastor, because while certainly you can trust me as your pastor, I know that I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I'll fail you sometimes. Not on purpose, but I will. And that's why I'm trying to get you to look past me and all these other things that we place our faith in and and put our faith solely on God, who is faithful. And because our true enemy can only be thwarted by God alone through faith in Christ. And again, we'll cower in fear at the enemy or eventually give in to him if our shields are made of anything besides God. As Corey Tenboom writes, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. And going back to King Hezekiah, he, he learned this the hard way. He had his eyes on the threat of Assyria, he had his eyes on the problem, the danger in front of him rather than having his eyes on the faithfulness of God. And because of that, he trusted in man to protect him. He trusted in his own logic and his own intellect to protect him. But eventually he realizes his foolishness and and his lack of faith. And so he falls down at the altar of God where he repents and calls on the Lord to forgive him and protect his people. And God does just that. God crushes the army of the Assyrians and frees the nation of Judah from the threat of being destroyed. And in the same way, when we turn our eyes to God, we can also confidently stand firm and resist the arrows of our true spiritual enemy. We can trust God to be with us and to protect us from him. On this, John Stott writes, It is by faith that we flee to God for refuge, 
For faith lays hold of the promises of God in times of doubt and depression, and faith lays hold of the power of God in times of temptation. So again, when we wield this shield of faith, when we have our eyes on God and His promises, we cannot be shaken. We cannot be moved from His presence or His calling. No enemies of the arrow, or no arrows of the enemy, sorry, can cut through. As it says in Psalm 118, verses 5 to 14, just, just reflect on this psalm as I, as I read it. It says, Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. And the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side, and in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. So when the enemy attacks us, when we're surrounded by all sides, when the, when the fiery darts are flying our way, when life is difficult, let's not forget to hold up that shield of faith, to fix our eyes on God. Let's not forget that through Christ we can take hold of his power and promises, which alone quench the fiery darts of the evil one, all his lies, all his temptations, all his accusations, which he hurls at us, snuffed out. By faith, let's fix our eyes on God because he is our strength and shield. And that's why in light of this, the author of Hebrews writes in, in chapter 12, verse 2, he says, we must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and, and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to a cross because he knew later on he would be glad he did. And now he is seated at the right side of God's throne. Jesus leads us into faith. It's Jesus who draws us near to the throne of God so that we can overcome. In Luke 22, 31-32, Jesus is speaking to Simon Peter, and he says to him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers." Now, obviously, it's, it's not too comforting for Peter to hear from Jesus that, that Satan's going to sift him like wheat and cause him to betray Jesus. 
But yet, at, at the same time, how incredible is it that Jesus assures him by saying that he's going to be praying for him. And that Jesus' prayers to God are effective in, in overcoming the attacks of Satan in his life. And, and restoring him to a place in which he'll actually be able to then strengthen and restore others in faith. And this is the same Jesus who's for us as well, who sits at the right hand of God and intercedes on our behalf and fills us with his spirit so that our faith may not fail. So that when we're attacked by the evil one, we can resist him in the power of Jesus' name. And even when our faith is lacking, we can come to him and ask him, just as, just as the disciples did, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. You know, before we close this morning, there's, there's one more thing I want to tie in concerning this metaphor of the shield. As I'll explain in a moment, this, this metaphor is also a reminder for us that, that we don't stand alone against the enemy, not only because God is with us, but because we're also meant to stand together as the body of Christ. Or as Jesus reminded Peter, we're meant to strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let, let me explain. So, so the shield Paul's referring to wasn't really meant for one-on-one -on -one combat. It was so big, it would be too clunky for one-on-one -on -one combat. In fact, one of the main purposes of that large shield was so that a group or a cohort of soldiers could stand in, in a line with each of their shields held next to each other. And, and sometimes set above them as well, so that they could create this type of shield wall. And I have a picture for you right here, so you can see what I'm talking about. So the, the purpose of this shield wall was so that nothing could penetrate through as they moved forward and, and advance against the enemy. Each soldier's shield wasn't just meant to protect himself alone, but all his brothers in arms as well. And in my mind, this is a, a powerful image of what the body of Christ should look like as, as we take part in this spiritual warfare. Our shield of faith isn't just for ourselves only, but for the whole body of Christ. We're meant to stand together like a wall, covering each other, strengthening each other in Christ, praying for one another, encouraging one another in our faith, and protecting each other in the name of God. And, and, and sometimes even standing in the gap for one another when, when one of us wavers in, in our faith or when, when we succumb to doubt and, and our shield slips. And we stand in that gap until Christ can restore them back onto their feet. What a powerful image of, of community that moves and walks together in the power of God. Let's strive to be that as the church. In the power and name of Jesus, let's strive to support one another and make every effort in the spirit of unity to stand together in faith, especially as we struggle and battle against the forces of evil and darkness in this world. And so above all, through every circumstance, not only for ourselves, but for each other, Let's take up the shield of faith. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that as we live for you in this world, Lord, that we don't fight the the battle against the evil one alone, Lord God. That as we come up against him or even come up against trials in this life, that you do not abandon us. But yet the faith that you've given us through Jesus Christ, through that faith, Lord God, we we can stand firm in your power, in your grace, that we can stand against the attacks of the enemy, Lord. So Lord, I thank you for this shield of faith and I pray that that each and every person who's watching this morning would be even strengthened in their faith and in their confidence in you this morning. I pray for those who, who are doubting, who aren't sure, Lord, that you would draw them closer to you even now. In the name of Jesus, break those chains of doubt. And Lord, I thank you for the, the community that we, that we have as a church body, Lord. And I pray that we would remember that this shield of faith isn't just for ourselves only, but it's so that we can stand together, encouraging one another, protecting one another, lifting up one another, standing in the gap for one another. Lord, Lord let us not forget that, that this isn't just about me, but it's about us. And ultimately, Lord, it's about you that you would be glorified, that you would be lifted up, that your work and your will would be done through us as we walk boldly by faith. Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your death and resurrection, for setting us free from our sin so that we can walk in faith. And I pray that, that we continue to be strengthened by it and that you would be glorified in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.